Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Thank you. Yes, Benj assured me that I'm not the token female speaker for Mother's Day. I'll take his word for it. (laughs) I trust him. (laughs) So uh, I'd like to just flex a little bit for a moment. Uh, Because I recently, in case you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, went on a little holiday with Josh, my husband, for our three-year wedding anniversary uh, to France and Italy, which is very nice. Thank you. Yes, it was. It was very nice. And um, before we left, I had so many people say to me, you are going to have the worst service ever in France. The French people are so rude. Um, You don't speak French, so they're just going to hate you and you're going to have the worst service ever. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I don't love that. I don't want my food to get spat on. Uh, So I downloaded Duolingo and (laughs) um, started trying to learn French Uh, And I think I did pretty good. Um, But funnily enough, I think that the service in France was really good and the service in Italy was actually really terrible, which is really hard for me because I'm half Italian and I felt like I was being kind of betrayed by my people. Um, So that's not great. But I just wanted to share with you a few stories of some service experiences that we had. So can I have the first? No, the other one. I can tell this one. I'll tell this one and then I get the other one. So this, this is the biggest flex. This is our anniversary dinner and I won't tell you how much it cost. Um, But it's your wedding anniversary and you're in Paris, so you know what are you going to do? And so you might say that we paid an exorbitant amount of money to have good service, but the guy who served us at this restaurant was so lovely He brought us, like, a second course of dessert for our anniversary. He was like, we know it's your anniversary. Congratulations. And that was great. Anyway, at the end, he's, like, asking us all these questions. He's like, where are you from and where are you going next? We told him that we were going to the south of France next. And he's like, his eyes just, like, lit up. He's like, I'm from the south of France. He, like, scurries away, comes back with a notepad, and he sits down next to us, and he just starts writing down all of these recommendations. He's like, you have to go here, and you have to go here. And I was like, yes, get all the local knowledge. And he was just, like, so lovely. And we actually went to some of his recommendations, and he had good taste. And that was really good. And I don't think I'll ever pay that much for a meal again, but I would like to go back just to say hi to that guy. This place also gave us excellent service. Okay, this this is just steak and sauce and fries. But it's literally, I swear, the best meal I have ever had. You walk into this place and there is no menu because this is what they serve. You sit down, they're like, how do you like your steak? And the answer is obviously... Correct. <laughs> Sorry if you said well done. Or rare. They do love that in France. But anyway, this place was absolutely packed and it's like two stories and there's this staircase and it's like this narrow and like this steep. And we just had this like little French woman who had like the tiny little French glasses and the biggest smile on her face. She was like the happiest person I have ever met. 
even though it was like the most packed restaurant I swear I've ever been in. And she was literally running up and down these stairs like a million miles an hour. But every time she was talking to us, even though she was probably stressed out of her mind, she was just like the happiest and friendliest person. I'm like, the French aren't rude. What's everyone talking about? I'm just experiencing the most happy people ever. And then we went to Italy. Can I have the the third photo? This is the worst meal I have ever eaten. This, on the menu, French fries and a caprice salad. So we're like in Amalfi and we're walking through the square and there's these, we will pass this place, you know, super touristy. It's got the umbrellas and it's got all the chairs outside and it's like, yeah, it looks really cool. And... Their, their waiters are out the front going, come in for a spritz, come in for a spritz. And I'm like, yeah, I could go with a spritz. And we had previously to this had a rule. If there's someone out the front trying to convince you to come into the restaurant, it is not a good restaurant, don't go in. But we really wanted a spritz. <laughs> so we fell for it. And then we're there, we're like, oh, we might as well have a snack. They've got French fries and a little salad, we might as well. But... They were trying so hard to get everybody to come into the restaurant. As soon as you're in, they ignore you. And we're just like, hello. And they're all like literally walking around like this. I'm like, I'm down here. Hello. I'd like to order. It was impossible to order. It was impossible to pay. It was impossible. Like, it was just awful. And the food sucked. (laughs) So I feel like the service made the food taste a lot better. And the service was way better in France, not in Italy. But today... (laughs) I'm going to talk about serving as a spiritual practice, not as something that you pay for at a restaurant. Uh, And essentially, I believe that Christian serving is about sharing your time, your talents, and your energy to the body of Christ, to use what God has given us for the sake or the benefit of others and ultimately for the glory of God. And when Benj asked me to speak on this, I was like, sweet, that is a piece of cake for me. I could do this easily because for me, like being on the roster has always been very upstream for me. We've been talking about upstream or downstream um, practices. Um, And I've been doing the whole being on the roster thing long before I was doing any of the other spiritual practices that we should be doing. Um, And I still remember being 15 and Benj asking me, he was my youth pastor at the time, to be a student leader. And I was very excited, felt very privileged And I've basically been serving ever since. I still do youth in that same youth ministry. Um, And now I get the privilege of watching young people serve for the first time and learn of their spiritual gifts and their talents and see how they can um, give that to God and see what God does with that. So I love that. I love watching that happen a lot. But as I've prepared for this talk and thought about what serving actually is, I've actually had to really wrestle with and question how I have approached serving throughout my life and whether it actually is true to God's intention for serving. So today, I actually want to share three reasons why I think you shouldn't serve. So Benj can uh, regret letting me up here now. Uh, because, but the reason why I want to do that is because I think that as adults, there is probably some healthy considerations for us to make when we're doing this practicing stuff that we've been talking about. 
And I can pretty confidently say upon reflection that when I was 15 and started serving, I probably wasn't doing it for the right reasons or serving from a particularly healthy place. But as I learn and grow in maturity, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, I'm trying to seek more purely what it means to follow the ways of Jesus. And so for me, that means kind of getting actually to the core of what his instructions are. Because we all hope one day to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So how do we work that out? And right from the beginning, I want to acknowledge that serving looks different for everybody in different seasons. We have finite time, we have finite energy, and we all undoubtedly go through seasons where our jobs, our families, our health will require more or less time of our attention than perhaps at other times of our lives. And that's totally okay. And I also want to acknowledge that the Sunday roster isn't the only way to serve. I think that it's helpful and I think that it provides a really excellent structure and entry point to serving. Um, And I also think it plays a really important role in the working of our church. Um, But it's not the only way. Cool? Let's read a story. I would love someone to help me read the story. (laughs) Do I have any volunteers to read for me? Cool. Diego. (laughs) Do uh, do you want me to get it for you? Oh, you got it? It'll be... You got a phone? Can Can you please read to me John... 13, 1 to 17. How good's Diego? Who got welcomed by Diego this morning? <laughs> 1 to 17. You got that? It is a lot. That's why I asked you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Next, next gathering, I won't tell people that it's 17 verses either because that's great. All right, there you go. All right. All right, Uh, the title is Washing His Disciples' Feet. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world to go to the Father. Oh, sorry, this is the message. Is that okay? (laughs) spicy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all 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 set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and he was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? Jesus answered, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear enough to you later. Peter persisted, You're not going to wash my feet, ever. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't be part of what I you can't be part of what I'm doing. Master, said Peter. Not only my feet then, wash my hands, wash my head. Jesus said, If you had a bath in the morning, you only need to your feet washed, now you've and now you're cleaned from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of you. In brackets, he knew who he was betraying. That's why he said, Not every one of you. Close bracket. After he'd finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on, and went back to the place at the table. Then he said, Do you understand what I've done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. 
I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you don't understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. Thank you, Diego. Great job. Lovely golf clap, everybody. So, reason one why I think you shouldn't serve. Oh, yeah, you missed that part. So, sorry. (laughs) Reason one, to get anything in return. I've realised in the last few years, particularly since moving out of home, that the way that my mum likes to show me her love is acts of service, which, very selfishly, is a really excellent way (laughs) to receive love from your mum when you live out of home and have uh, tasks that need doing that you don't want to do. When I lived at home, I was like, get out of my room, don't clean my room. Now I'm like, come in, (laughs) mum. You want to come over? And so she comes over and she'll like just reorganise my linen closet or like pick up all of the dog toys or my favourite one that she does is she folds my washing, which is my most hated household task. And it's kind of at the point now where I know that my mum will be coming over and so I'll just leave a basket of clothes in plain sight, which Josh tells me is manipulative But I think that I'm just letting her love me and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know that my mum doesn't do these things in order to get anything from me in return. Thank God. She doesn't fold my washing so that I'll come over to her house next week and fold hers. She doesn't repot my plants for me so that I'll get her an extra extravagant Mother's Day gift. Although it would be very lovely of me to do those things. I know that she does those things out of a deep love for me. And because of her deep love for me, it's her joy to serve me at her personal sacrifice. And such is the case with this story that Diego very kindly read for us um, with Jesus. Jesus, out of great love for his disciples, bends down and does what I would argue is the most disgusting way you could ever serve anybody – He washes their dirty, dusty, grimy, bunion-y, tinier feet. That is personal sacrifice. And Jesus didn't wash the disciples' feet because he'd one time put his hand up to be on the feet-washing team once a month, and this week he's rostered on to wash feet. No, he does it out of great love for his disciples. And Jesus wasn't going to get anything earthly in return. In fact, he knows that one of them is going to betray him and another one is going to deny him. But still, he bends down and he washes their feet. And I'm not suggesting that we consciously expect things in return for our serving, but I do think that sometimes these feelings can creep in and if we leave them unchecked, um, they can get in the way of true servanthood. So some helpful questions to ask yourself, just to check that you're not accidentally serving to receive something in return might be, how do I feel if no one thanks me for what I do? Do I expect them to be grateful for my service? 
How do I feel if no one compliments me for what I do? Do I expect people to think higher of me because of my service? How do I feel if others don't do things for me? Do I expect others to serve me because I've served them? And how do I feel when my prayers seem to go unanswered? Do I expect God to bless me because of my service? So reason one, to not serve, to get something in return. Reason two, why I think you shouldn't serve, because it's what you should just do as a Christian in community. Now, I actually don't think that because Jesus said we should is a good enough reason to do pretty much anything. Just because I don't think that the root is strong enough to withhold the challenges of life, to withstand the challenges of life, the realities of life. And so I think that serving out of obligation or to tick a box is potentially one of the most damaging places to serve from, both for ourselves and others. Because as we see in this story of Jesus uh, washing the feet of his disciples, he's serving out of great love, not because he has to. And so I think that a healthy relationship with the spiritual practice of serving comes from a place of love of God and love of others. I believe that Christian service is not about the task, but about your posture while you are doing the task. And obviously, serving involves doing, but Scripture highlights again and again the importance of how the doing is done, not just the doing itself. Deuteronomy 11.13 says, Serve him, being God, with all your heart and with all your soul. God doesn't ask us to serve by just going through the motions and ticking all of the boxes. At the end of your life, God isn't going to pull out his list and say, you are on the roster every week of your life. Well done. But he might say, you served me with all your heart and all your soul. Well done. And so I think that the primary danger of reducing serving to just a set of tasks to do, a box to tick, is that we accidentally fall into the trap of trying to use our works to be saved. And if we consider the value of our service by how many times our name is on a roster or how much church stuff our life is full with, we start to move away from our faith being, faith being focused on what God and Jesus has achieved and it starts to be focused on what we have achieved. As Ben spoke about a few weeks ago, We can't practice our way to God. The amount that God loves us, the amount that we are saved, is not dependent on how well we do any of these six practices that we've been talking about. There is a line between working out our salvation and working for our salvation. There is a line between putting our faith into action and thinking that our actions save us. There's a line between salvation and sanctification. And so some, healthy, some helpful questions just to check that you're not accidentally serving out of Christian obligation might be, do I love the community of people I'm serving and want to contribute to its flourishing? What is my motivation for serving? Do I still come to the gathering when I'm not rostered on? So one, don't serve to get something in return. Two, don't serve because it's what we should do. I just spat that on my face. 
And reason three why I think that you shouldn't serve is if you're using it as your one avenue to practice your spirituality. Now, I will self-confess that I have done this for many years. This is probably my chief guilty thing that of what I'm speaking about today. I'm guilty of them all, but this one particularly. Because serving is so upstream for me, I'm extroverted, I'm outgoing, it's easy for me to be around people and yada, yada, yada. I don't like spending time on my own. Uh, but because of that, I have sometimes hidden behind it and justified, use it to justify my lack of effort in other spiritual practices by sometimes overcommitting to serving. And I would extend this to actually all of the practices that we have been talking about, that none of them should be done in isolation from each other, that we should be constantly seeking to create a healthy balance of all six of those practices, prayer, scripture, Sabbath, serving, hospitality, and generosity. I think that's all of them. (laughs) I feel like I can say from experience that the outward stuff, so those last three, serving hospitality and generosity, is far more healthy, far more sustainable, and far more impactful when you've got the internal stuff, the prayer, the scripture, the Sabbath, working in tandem with those external things. Serving is the way Jesus models to serving in the way Jesus models to us, following the way of Jesus, working out our faith, prescribing to this upside down kingdom ethic requires our hearts to be transformed. And the way that God does that is through scripture, through prayer, through resting in him. And so I think that when we try to do the external stuff without also working at the internal stuff, without letting God transform our hearts, it can easily become a box-ticking exercise. It can easily become something that I expect something in return for. It can easily lead to feeling burnt out. It can easily lead to accidentally hurting ourselves or others. And so, some helpful questions to check that you're not accidentally using serving as your one spiritual practice might be, Do I have habits or am I working towards building habits around prayer, scripture or Sabbath? Does serving feel really overly taxing? Are you perhaps running on empty? So to quickly wrap up before I run the risk of having no one rostered on next week because I've scared everyone away from serving, doing any of these things does not disqualify us from serving. Otherwise, I should have never gotten up here in the first place and I should just go and sit down. In which case, (laughs) feel free to jump up now. Um, But I, I have been guilty of these things at least once in my life, if not right now. And so my intention in posing these questions is not at all to place rules or regulations on us or requirements on ourselves in order to measure our worthiness to serve. The question for me is, how can I serve or work out my, any spiritual practice in a really spiritually healthy way? And that's one of the things that I actually really love about this series is that we are practising and practising at the same time. We're figuring it out as we go. We are working out our faith and walking in the grace of God as we do it. Jesus asks us to come to him, to walk with him, to work with him, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
He doesn't want spiritual practices to feel burdensome. He wants us to find rest for our souls in union and in life with him. Cool? Great. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you that, um, that you invite us into relationship with you, that you invite us to work out our faith with you and that you invite us into this upside-down kingdom ethic where the master serves the servant, where the first should be last, where we are marked by love for you and for others. And so, God, I just ask for your grace and for your guidance as we go about serving you, as we go about any of these spiritual practices of walking with you, of having life and union with you. Would you make that easy for us? Would we find rest in you? And God, I just ask that if there's anybody in this room that feels that serving you is, is difficult, that you would just speak to their hearts, that you would refresh them, that you would renew them, that you would re-inspire them. Thank you that we don't have to have it all figured out to come to you but you ask us to just work with you and walk with you. Amen. Amen.